I know we've just prayed, but I really want to just come before the Lord and let's ask Him just to prepare us for His Word. And so let's just bow before the Lord, come before His throne of grace and ask for His mercy. Lord, our Heavenly Father, Your name is hallowed. Your name is great. You sit enthroned in the heavens. You are God above all gods. You are the eternal one. You are our great hope. You are the one who's given us life. You are the truth. And Lord, we know that we can only find life in you. And so, Lord, as we open your eternal word to us, that living word from your mouth, Lord, may you take any other distractions from us now. May we put the week behind us. May we put it aside. May we concentrate on the words found in your word. And may you speak directly to our hearts. Lord, We can't do this on our own. And so we ask that your Spirit would enable us for the task. Work in us, Lord. Change us. Make us soft before you. So that in the end, you can use us. And your name will be glorified. Speak to us, we pray. Amen. Well, as we continue our studies in this book of Luke, we're in chapter 11 and we're going to be looking at the passage from verses 5 to 13 this morning. So I'd ask you to turn there. Up to now we've looked at how we are to pray. We looked at verses 1 to 4 and the Lord's Prayer and that model prayer the Lord gave us. And as we found out last time we were around this passage, it's not about a specific prayer that we must pray every every time. It's not a magic formula, but it is a pattern for us. We have to pray to our Father who is in heaven. We have to hallow His name. We have to remember who He is every time we come before Him in prayer. We have to honour His name. And this morning as we come to this next passage, we're going to look at the why we have to pray. Yes, it's to honour God's name, But why prayer? Why does he ask us to pray? And we're going to be looking at that specific matter this morning. So I'd ask you to read with me. I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 11, from verse 1 through to verse 13. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And Jesus said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And Jesus said to them, Which of you has has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, Lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. 
And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are in bed with me. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence or persistence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? I don't know what the best gift is that you've ever received. I remember as a little boy, I was lying in hospital, bust my leg, survived a major car accident. And there I was lying in hospital, white sheets, you know, as hospitals go. And um, the best present I ever received was a big model airplane to build. In hospital, with paints, everything. You can imagine the nursing staff. I bribed them in South Africa with biltong. They loved biltong, so you could get anything. And so there I was in hospital building my big model Spitfire. The best gift. But what did that gift tell me about the giver? It told me that the giver loved me. I don't know about you, I'm sure you'd love receiving gifts too. When someone comes with a gift, it's, it's fantastic to receive gifts. And our gift tells us about the giver. When your children come with a gift to you on whatever day they've got now, Mother's Day, Father's Day, I don't know, anything, Secretary Day, um, it tells you a little bit about the giver, doesn't it? You know, the Father speaks about prayer. He says, when you come to me in prayer, come to me because I want to give you gifts too. And then Jesus explains how that works to us. He says to us, we must be persistent in prayer. And there's one of the two golden rules we're going to learn about prayer today. Be persistent in prayer. And Jesus tells it by way of a humorous story. Now, he often used humor in the Bible. And Jesus often used humor because it would grab the attentions. And he used everyday stories. And so he tells the story in verses 5 to 10 of this man who's busy sleeping in his little Jewish home. And I'll put a picture up there for you. That's, a fair, that's quite a big Jewish home. And you'll notice that there are two levels. All right? A smaller Jewish home would have the same as the bottom here, except it had a, a small raised step. And there the family would live with their mats that they'd roll out every night. And this man is busy, he's, he's sleeping in his house, and he receives a knock on the door. A surprise visitor had arrived for his neighbor. And this visitor had been traveling right through the night. And they often did that in Israel because with temperatures of 35 plus in the day, you travel at night. And he'd probably mistaken how long it would take him. And there he arrives at his friend's house at midnight. Knocks on the door. And if you know anything about Eastern hospitality, hospitality is everything. And at midnight, when your kids have been through the food you've got in the house, 
there's not much left, is there? Because next morning is when you bake new bread. And so here at midnight, there's this knock on the door. This man invites his friend in. And now what do I do? I haven't got any food. And so next best plan, oh, I'll go to my friend next door at midnight. And so he runs around to his friend. There are no dairies, no 24-7 stores, convenience stores. He goes to his friend's house. That's what you did. And he bangs on the door because he's sleeping, right? Midnight. Now, here's his friend sleeping in his home. You just have to see the scene for yourself now, all right? This banging on the door at midnight. And this voice, open up for me. I need food for my friend who's arrived. Now, you need to understand the logistics here. You've got to come down from your sleeping platform. In other words, someone's going to get woken up. Then you've got to come down through the middle of the household. You've got to come through the goats and the sheep and everything that are there. Something's going to get woken up. And then you've got to get past the chooks. They're definitely going to wake up. And when the chooks wake up and the goats have woken up, then the children will definitely wake up. And those of you who've got small kids, you know what that's like at midnight. And so, then you've got to undo this massive big bolt across the door, this beam, and by this time everyone's awake at midnight. And so you can understand this guy saying, go away. And if Dave was here, I'd let him do it, because he can do it much better than me. Go away. I am sleeping. My children are with me in bed. Now, in the Middle Eastern concept, they all used to sleep on this big platform, all right? That doesn't mean they were all snugged up in one bed. Go away. But what does the neighbor do? Does he timidly go away? No. He's a good friend. He carries on banging on the door. I really need your help. I've got a visitor. I've got nowhere else to go. Please open up. And then the Lord says, the friend gets up. Not because this is his good friend. I like that. But he gets up because of the man's persistence. And the the little Greek here is his boldness and his shameless persistence. That's why he gets up. Because he knows if he doesn't, this guy's going to carry on banging here and wake up the whole community. Now, teenagers, are you listening? Nagging doesn't pay. That's not the moral of the story. Okay? I I just wanted to make that clear in case there's misrepresentation here. Nagging doesn't pay. Parents, you can sit back. It doesn't pay. That's not what this lesson is about. But... A bold, shameless persistence when you come in prayer does. And that's what Jesus, that's what the point is of this this parable that Jesus tells. So there's your key element one. Be persistent in prayer like this man, says Jesus. And no, you're not going to be persistent in prayer to change God's mind because God knows everything, so it's not to change his mind, but It's to show something about us. Be persistent in prayer, says Jesus, to show your steadfastness, your persevering faith in in, in God's ability to answer your prayer. So be persistent in prayer to show that you have faith in God that He will answer your prayer. You see? It's about us and God. So it's an action of faith that God calls us to Take this action of faith. Be persistent in prayer. Jesus told another parable, which we'll get to later, but I just want to read it for you very quickly. Luke chapter 18. You can flick a few pages on. And it's about the persistent widow. 
Luke chapter 18, verses 1 to 8. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation because it's quite exciting. One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show them that they should always pray and never give up. And here's the story. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. What a nice guy. And the widow of that city came to this judge repeatedly saying, Give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. But typically, the judge ignored her for a while. But finally he said to himself, Now look at this guy's character, this judge. I don't fear God or care about people. But this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she's wearing me out with her constant requests. I can just see that. Then the Lord said, Learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he, that's the worst case, right? Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have this kind of faith? You see, it's about faith. We must be persistent in our prayer because of faith. Our faith in God. We must be, persevere in our prayer to show faith in God's ability to answer our prayer. And in contrast to this human friend who did not want to be bothered, God wants his children to pray to him. Why? He's there 24-7, you see. God doesn't go to sleep. And when you, when you knock on his door, he isn't bothered. He wants you to come to him any time of the day or night. He is never too busy. You see, Satan will throw that one before you. Don't bother God, he's busy. Don't believe him. He wants us to come to him in prayer. He wants us to be persistent in prayer before him. And so Jesus carries on with his lesson and so he says, So I say to you, so in light of what I've just said, I therefore say to you, and then he has those three commands. Ask is the first one. It's a command form. Ask. In light of what, what I've just told you, ask. Be persistent in prayer before, my, before your Father. Now what does the word ask teach us? Well firstly, he says do it. Ask. And it also implies humility. And a consciousness of need. You see, if you don't need to ask, why would you? There's a humility implied here. There's, there's a recognizing that you are the needful one and God can supply that need. So ask. Remember the story of the Pharisee at the Lord's table? Oh, sorry, in the, in, in the Lord's parable? The Pharisee and the publican came before the Lord to pray. And what did the Pharisee do? He said, standing upright, he said, Lord, look at me. I'm such a good person. Hear my prayer. He came to tell the Lord how good he was. But the publican, he pleaded with the Lord, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Do you see the difference? Sometimes we come to the Lord, even when we're asking, but it's a telling ask. The Lord says, no, no, no. 
Come in humility before me and ask. But ask. You see, we need to recognize that we are sinners before a holy God. We need to recognize that we are the humans, that He is God eternal. We need to recognize that when we come to Him as sinners, we will not pray the following prayer, which is quite a popular prayer sometimes. Oh God, if there is a God, save my soul if I have a soul. You see, that's someone who doesn't recognize who they are. But we will say, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner, and come to him in prayer. And the Lord says, come to me, ask in humility, ask as an inferior, addressing a superior. God is the one who is the eternal one and the all-powerful one. We are the humans. We are the weak ones. And here's the beautiful part. The Lord says, when you ask, there's a promise for you. There's a promise for you. Here it is. What is it? The one asking will receive. Now note, the one asking will receive. What tense is that? It's continuous tense. The one who continues to ask will receive. He who asks receives. And so I want to ask you this morning, is there some personal issue you've been bringing before the Lord? And it might be one year. It might be one week. It might be 50 years. Is there some issue that you have brought before the Lord? Maybe it's about your husband who doesn't believe. Maybe it's about an unbelieving child. Maybe it's about sickness. Maybe it's some personal issue. Maybe it's about a friend who doesn't know the Lord. Here's the lesson from God's Word this morning. Keep on asking. Keep on asking. The second command form we have is this one. Seek. So ask but then seek. What does seek involve? Well, seek involves two aspects. It's asking and then acting. Seek involves asking and then acting. Asking, are you perhaps asking this morning from the Lord, Lord, give me a deeper knowledge of you? Well, that then involves doing something. What does it involve? It involves then diligently going to God's Word, examining His Word, and finding God in the Scriptures. Hebrews Uh, Sorry, John chapter 5 verse 39 says, examine the scripture, sit under it. Examine the scripture carefully. You need to come and sit under the preaching of God's word. Hebrews 10.25, don't stay away from the preaching of God's word. If you want to have a better understanding and a better relationship with, with God, sit under the preaching of his word. Strive to live by the principles of God's word. Matthew chapter 7 verse 21. You see there's asking and then there's action. And that involves, that's what seek means. And then that continuous tense is there again. Keep on seeking. So there's ask and there's seek. And there's a promise for you. Another gift. You ready for it? If you seek, here's the promise from scripture. The seeking one will what? Find. It's God's promise. And then the third command is this one. Knock. And that involves three things. Do you notice the progression here? Knock means ask, act, and then persevere. You see, the knocking we're talking about, it's not this gentle little timid tap, tap, tap. Did you hear that? I just about did. 
That's not the way we're supposed to come before the Lord. We're supposed to come knocking on the door. Why? Because we believe in what God can do. We have faith in what God can do. And so we come and stand before Him with confidence in humility and say, Lord, I'm here, I'm knocking, because I know you can answer my prayer. Is that your belief in the Lord? You see, it's about our faith in the Lord. We need to bang with confident perseverance on God's door. And here's our promise if we do that. To the one knocking, it will be opened. He said it in three ways, hasn't he? We need to ask, we need to seek, we need to knock, and then God will answer our prayers. And so I want to ask you this morning, are you still knocking on God's door with your prayers? Or perhaps you've given up. You've been knocking on that door for 15 years and now you've given up. And you've said to yourself, I've tried 15 years. He's not going to answer. I want to give you hope from God's word this morning. And in his timing this morning, keep knocking. God will answer your prayer. It might just be the next time that he answers. But he will answer in his time and in his way. He will answer your prayer. That's his promise from his word, not my words. And then it doesn't stop there. There's more, you see. He gives us more gifts. Verse 11 to 13. I want to read that again. Verse 11 to 13. He says this. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Think about that. If your, parent, if your child comes to you and asks for a gift, why would you give them something completely that they don't want? Something that's bad for them. See, the point is, Jesus is saying, even you, as people who are evil at heart, you who are human, even you know how to give good gifts. Your child asks for food, you give them good food. You don't give them the cast off, the stuff that's gone bad, that will give them stomach upsets. You know, you, you give them good gifts, and yet you are evil at heart. How much more will I, who am a perfect holy God, give you what you really need? Do you see the contrast Jesus is setting up? He's saying, you give good gifts as evil human beings. How much more, in contrast, will I, as your heavenly Father who is almighty and all-knowing, how much more will I give you what you really need? Good gifts. That's the second thing we must remember. God, in contrast to us as human beings, knows exactly what we need. He will give us good gifts. Now, verse 13, If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Uh-huh. So what's this all about? Why does he bring the Holy Spirit into this? Isn't the Holy Spirit a good gift? Isn't the Holy Spirit the ultimate of good gifts to us? The helper? What would we do in our Christian lives without the work of the Holy Spirit? It would be rules, rules, and human effort. And so he gives us the ultimate of good gifts. But we must ask, and I'm going to specify this, you see, Jesus had been promising this helper all the time to his disciples. And you can look back in all the Gospels. 
Jesus had been telling them about this helper who will come. I will send my helper and you must ask for him and you must stay together in prayer and you must wait on God and he will send you the helper, right? He had said this often to them. Now he repeats it again. Come to me in prayer. They'd asked him how to pray and he says, continue in prayer and ask the Lord for the Holy Spirit and he will give him to you. If they are persistent, God will answer their prayer, says Jesus. And do the disciples listen? How does God answer? Well, we need to flick a little forward in history. And so we go to Acts chapter 1. And if you want to flick there quickly, Acts chapter 1 verse 14. Note what happens here. Acts chapter 1 verse 14. We have the story here, the account in Luke, uh, written by Luke rather, where after Jesus had ascended, all the disciples were in Jerusalem, seated in the upper room, in verse 14. And all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer, together with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. And so when Jesus wasn't there anymore, they were regularly getting together and devoting themselves to prayer. Jesus had said they must. And so here they are. Now look a little bit ahead to chapter 2, verse 1. And I want to read this. Chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, now they didn't know it was the day of Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And what would they be doing? Implied, they were praying. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Did they know that they were going to receive the Spirit on that day? No. It was the day when they expected the Lord's outpouring because it was one of the feasts. But they didn't expect the Spirit to be coming that day. He came on them because they were praying. And He came on them sounding like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided Tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. You see, they were praying and God answered that prayer. Now, I'm in brackets again. What about us then? Do we need to pray for the Holy Spirit? Yes and no. I'll, I'll specify. I'll start with no. No, we don't pray for the Holy Spirit because at the moment of rebirth, we receive the Holy Spirit in us in full. If you go and read Romans chapter 8, verses 9 to 11, especially verse 9 says this, Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. When we become believers, at that very moment, we receive the entirety of the Holy Spirit in us, God in us fully. I don't know how that works, but God promised us that that happens. Our statement of faith of this church, we say it like this. We teach that the Holy Spirit baptizes all believers into the body of Christ at the moment of salvation, at which time he also comes to indwell them. And so, no, we do not teach a second blessing. But, have you heard my but? Yes, there is a time when we do pray for the Spirit. And we ask the Holy Spirit to come and enable us daily. 
We need to come and ask daily for the Spirit to refill us. With what? With the enablement that He gives. Is there any more of the Spirit in us then? No, He's still fully in us, but He enables us. He works through us. And when we've got special tasks for the Lord, He gives us the ability to do those tasks. The Spirit enables. He gifts us with the abilities to do these things. He purifies us from our sin, so that our sin does not quench His work. So that Jesus shines all the more clearly out of us. You see, the problem is, we get filled with sin daily, don't we? And so, Jesus can't shine out of us the way He should shine out of us, through our actions. Because they are now sinful actions. And so the Holy Spirit comes and He cleanses that sin from us. And when He does, Jesus shines through us, purely, clearly. And the world sees that He lives. So the Holy Spirit purifies us. He then equips us for specific tasks and He guides us to fulfill those tasks. Is He a good gift? Yes, He's the ultimate gift. But how do we get that gift? We get that gift, says Jesus, through prayer. We need to ask daily. Do you ask daily? Lord, enable me through your Spirit to do the work set aside for me for this day. We need to ask daily. And God will grant that prayer. Why would He not? You need spiritual wisdom. James chapter 1 verse 5 says, Then ask. Because who is the one who gives? God grants spiritual wisdom. We need to come in prayer. Tell me, are you praying for anything today? When you got up this morning, I'm not talking about the normal little prayer. I'm saying, are you asking God specifically for anything today? Here's a second question I want to ask you. Are your prayers aligned with the purposes and the principles of God's Word? You see, God will never give you answers which go against His Word. He will never. And so it doesn't help. If you're a Christian believer... It doesn't help asking him whether you are allowed, if you're a guy, whether you're allowed to marry Jane, who's an unbeliever. God will never say yes to that. Why? Because it goes right against his his word. It cuts across his word. We can never ask for something which cuts across the principles of God's word and who he is. And if you do get an answer that cuts across God's word, guess what? The answer is not from God. It's from you. Or from Satan. That's the second principle we need to remember when we come in prayer. We can come to God, but He will always give us answers which go according to who He is and what His Word is. Now I can hear an unanswered, an unasked question that's hanging in the air. What about unanswered prayer? What about unanswered prayer? I've been praying for years. What about Why doesn't God answer those prayers? Well, I haven't got an answer for you except this. Carry on praying. God is faithful, isn't He? He will answer in His way and in His time. And His timing is everything. I've experienced that in my life to the second. His timing is everything. But I need to have trust in Him. I need to put my faith in Him. And I need to pray. You see, the problem isn't with the prayer. The problem is that we are not diligent in our praying. 
Someone once said, the greatest letdown is not unanswered prayer, but unasked prayers. We don't pray, you see. We are diligent in our prayers. And so when we pray, and I'd ask you in this week, when you pray, use the model that's been put in, in front of you in this chapter. Honour His name. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Pray for His kingdom. Your kingdom come on this earth. Pray for the missionaries who are helping to bring the kingdom about. Pray for the work of this church and His kingdom in Wanganui East. Bring your request to Him. Give us this day our daily bread. And then, are you listening? Be persistent in your prayer. Pray without ceasing, says Paul in 1 Thessalonians. Pray without ceasing. And then expect His answers. Pray expectantly. Pray with one eye on the sky, waiting for His answer. Pray expectantly because He is faithful. He is your heavenly Father, the one with heavenly answers, the one who will give you heavenly gifts. But we need to pray. Now here's a little warning for you when you pray. Max Licardo says this really well. Listen to this. He says like this, God's faithfulness is often demonstrated in the Holy Spirit's gentle nudging. You thought God wasn't answering your prayers? What has He been nudging you about? It's the Holy Spirit at work in you. God's faithfulness is often demonstrated in the Holy Spirit's gentle nudging and His reminders to pray. Have you been reminded to pray? Has He been nagging you? You see, Satan's craftiness, in contrast, is often demonstrated in mocking us when we fail to pray. Ha! You've forgotten again today. Which one are we better off dwelling on? The Spirit's nudging or Satan's mocking? See, sometimes we pay too much attention to that mocking voice. Just come to your Father. Isn't He a merciful Father? Doesn't He love you? Doesn't he have other children who fail as well? Come to him. He will forgive. He will enable you through his spirit. And then you can start praying. You can start praying today. It doesn't matter if you haven't prayed for 37 years. You've been living in this disobedient lifestyle. It doesn't matter. Come to him today. Start today and come before him in faith. And persistently pray before your father. Believing that he will answer your prayers. And he promises you that he will. I want to end this morning with two passages that I just want to read to you. Hebrews chapter 10. And if you can, turn there with me. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 23. Listen to these beautiful verses. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain, that is through His flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, here it is, are you ready? Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. How do we do that? Through prayer. Through coming before the Lord. Through prayer. Being before the Lord and in communion with Him. With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, 
For he who promised is faithful. That's why we can come to him. He who promised is faithful. So come before him. Here's an Old Testament one for you. Psalm. Psalm 84. Turn there with me. Psalm 84. Listen, look at these beautiful words. Tells us a little bit about God. A little, a few words, but so much. Listen to it. Psalm 84, verse 11 to 12. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. In other words, He gives life. He can kill too, but He's also a shield. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does He withhold from those who walk uprightly. Do you see the action side? O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. There's a beautiful summary of this very passage. Faith in action. But we need to come. We need to state those prayers before the Lord. We need to honor His name as we do so. Your Father My Father is a good Father. We need to come to Him in prayer. We need to trust Him. That's our action point for this week. As we come to Him, let us trust Him in our prayer. And let's pray. Daily, let's pray. Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. May your kingdom come on earth so that you will be glorified. Father, forgive us for giving up on prayer so easily. Forgive us, Lord, for our insincerity and forgive us for our lack of interest in prayer. Lord, thank you that you remain faithful to us even when we are unfaithful. And Lord, teach us to pray honestly Teach us to pray persistently and faithfully. Teach us to pray as your Holy Spirit enables us to pray. Lord, help us to pray for daily power. Like your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, prayed for power. Help us to pray in humility like Jesus taught us to pray. Lord, we look to you, the author, the perfecter, and the finisher of our faith. You are the one who can bring us to the Father. You've started the work, and you will complete it. Lord, help us to be faithful in our prayer life, before and with you, we pray. Amen.